You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Well, I want to welcome you to the series that we're doing called The Storehouse Blessing. This is not really a series I intended to get into. I touched on it at the end of another series that I did called uh, Converting Your Primary Resources. But as I preached a sermon on this at our church, I really began to see that you cannot truly understand God's program of provision for his children unless you take a look at the storehouse principle. It is a hugely important part of our provision. It is something that Jesus taught. He introduced it in his first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're going to take our text from a classic scripture in the book of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. And it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now all through scripture, God speaks to this idea of the storehouse. We will find out that there are three very specific kinds of storehouses. Now, among one of the kinds of storehouses, there are numbers of kinds. And when I say that, what I mean is the word storehouses is given to us in the plural. It's translated also as barns. So not everyone has the same kind of barn. For instance, a wheat farmer doesn't have the same kind of barn as one who puts up hay. A hay barn needs to be loose. It needs to be airy. You cannot close it up and expect the hay to cure properly. It will actually burn down the barn because of the heat that's generated in those tight quarters, whereas a grain silo needs to be very tight and protected from vermin. And so not everybody has the same kind of storehouse. Here's another idea. Some storehouses are liquid. Your vats will overflow with new wine. Sometimes it's appropriate to have a very liquid storehouse. Years ago, when our church really began to build and we had some loans that were more than just a few months of income, our bank required us to put some money in savings. They wanted us to have some liquid savings, meaning that we had to have some cash reserves. Very reasonable request. I understand why they did it. It was not a burden for us to do. In fact, it was a healthy thing. And ultimately, we began to see the value of doing that for a number of things. And so So we actually added to our storehouses so that we would be prepared for emergencies. An emergency for a corporation, for a large body of believers, is different than an emergency for just an individual. You have to have more money. And so we began to set back money into storehouses. We could not have done our mission without them. 
Some people would have you to believe that God wants you to operate completely by hand to mouth, meaning you never know where the next meal is coming from. That's not a scriptural idea. I'm also going to show you in this series, it's not the way that Jesus operated. Although there is one type of storehouse he did not utilize. We'll get into that further in our teaching. Now, Abraham had more than one kind of storehouse. He didn't have the same kind of storehouse that Joseph had told Pharaoh to build in Egypt. Abraham had a storehouse that was befitting to his way of operating. Genesis 13, 2, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Now, he didn't have to have huge chunk uh, chests full of money in order to hold his silver and gold. That would not have been the, the need that he had. Most of his wealth was on the hoof, and he had lots of livestock, and that's where he banked his resources. The children of Israel, on the other hand, when they came back to the land of Canaan after an absence of about 400 years, when they came back, in Exodus 3.8, God said to them that they would have a land a little different than what Abraham had. I want you to listen. Exodus 3.8, so I have come down to deliver them, the children of Israel, this is what God said to Moses, out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, even though God is using poetic expressions here, land that flows with milk and honey, it's very telling technically as to what the land of Canaan will be. God is saying to the children of Israel, you are going to both graze animals, that's the land that flows with milk, and you are going to farm the soil, that's the land that flows with honey. Because agriculture and honeybees go hand in hand. And uh, you may have heard me say this, that as the uh, uh, European population moved across the central part of the United States, the Native American tribes, especially on the plains, who had not had much activity with honeybees, they began to see them coming, and they called them the white man's fly because it meant that the farms were about 100 miles away. So the bees went out ahead of the farmer, and they were very necessary for agriculture. So a land that flows with milk and honey is a land where there is both pasture and farmland. That's the economy, the basis of the economy that God gave to the children of Israel when they came into the land of Canaan. So God never described Canaan in that way to Abraham. That term is mentioned 17 times in Scripture, but never once to Abraham because Abraham had a land of milk. Milk and cheese was something he was quite familiar with. And here's the reason that Abraham had to have this. He had to have this wealth in order to take care of the village around him. Abraham didn't live in a city but he had a tent village that com was comprised of about a thousand people or more. Genesis 14, 14 said this about Abraham. 
When Abram heard that his brother Lot was taken captive, and brother is used in a figurative sense because Lot was actually his nephew, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house, and he went in pursuit. And he divided his forces in three groups, and at night they attacked uh, the armies that had captured Lot. And this is a pursuit that Gideon used when he fought the Midianites. He divided his people into three groups, and, and they attacked at night. Abraham is the one who originated that. And so Abraham had to have this kind of force around him to keep from being wiped out. There was no constitution, no bill of rights, no state police force, no way for Abraham to be protected from evil thieves and robbers. He had to have those trained shepherds in order to exist in the land of Canaan. So his provision... He was rich in cattle, silver, and gold, followed his purpose. Now think about what Satan would have done had he been able to. He would have wiped out Abraham, but he had to use people in order to do that. He certainly would have had the will, but he didn't have the means because Abraham was too strong to attack. And so God had to bless Abraham in this way so that he could continue to flourish and grow because Abraham was the family through whom God would send the Messiah. And so it was God's purpose to bless him in the way that he did, and he had provision according to that purpose. And always remember that. Provision follows purpose. If you are building a company where you're going to employ a number of people and you have a knack for putting deals together and you don't mind taking responsibility for others, you're going to prosper more than a person who just works a job and takes pay for himself, and there's nothing wrong with that. But provision follows purpose. So the individual who's responsible for no one but his own household is likely not going to have as much as the person who's responsible for many households. You know, when I started my ministry in the early years, I began to see something about the nature of my ministry, that I could not do it by myself. I made a decision to give up royalties off of my books and curriculum. I never took royalties for the writing of any of the TV programs I created. I did all of that where I, so that I could pump that into our ministry so that I could pay the helpers that I needed to do what we needed to get done. I could never have done my job by myself. So my blessing had to do with my purpose. Provision follows purpose. Now, the blessing of the Lord on his children is linked to that calling. Jesus had a very specific calling. And there's a popular expression, and I suppose that it's good in some ways. However, it can be confusing if you do not rightly divide the word of truth. And here's the expression, what would Jesus do? Well, if you're going to follow that to the letter of the law, you can never get married because Jesus didn't. You could never have a child because Jesus didn't. You could not plan for the future for long term because Jesus only had a very intense, brief 
three and a half years of public ministry, and his purpose from day one was to go to the cross. That's what God called him to do. He was sent here to this earth, slain as a lamb before the foundation of the world. That was his purpose. So his provision was structured according to the purpose that God had for his life. And so in spirit, in devotion, in commitment, certainly we're to use Jesus as our example. But at the same time, we cannot look at our lives like Jesus did, where we have no permanent home. Jesus did have a house that he rented or leased in Capernaum, but he wasn't there much. And so if you're going to raise a family, you can't live like that. Your purpose is going to be different. You don't need to think about giving up your life. If you're called to be a husband or a wife and to have children and you're going to raise them, your first responsibility, of course, to the Lord is to provide for your own. That's what Paul taught in the New Testament when he wrote to the believers about what their mission was. So I want you to see that when you think about storehouses, you think about what your purpose in life is. And your storehouses will be ordered accordingly. Now, I know I'm not explaining that in great detail right now, but I will as we get into this series. So don't miss the next part. Every single lesson will be crucial. Thank you for being with me today. See you tomorrow. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below. And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, you can do that by clicking on the link below are going to MyFaithRoots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.